Welcome to Relationship Psych, the podcast, helping you understand how love turns to anger and even hate. Through the episodes, you will learn how to transform doomed relationships into exciting, intimate, and long-lasting partnerships. I'm your host, Amber Dawson. I'm a psychologist, author, and speaker. A few of my favorite things are my husband, Grapes, and my adorable little dog, Grapes. Now let's learn how to create a soul-crushing love that lasts. Hit subscribe in your podcast app so that simply by listening, you can learn to create a strong relationship. Welcome back. Today we're talking about the guide to stay in love through lockdown. Five conversations to remedy lockdown-fueled problems in your relationship. This quote seemed to sum it up. So here we go. It's by Alicia Keys, Love is My Disease. Alicia Keys' lyrics say, I thought love would be my cure, but now it's my disease. Now, don't let this be the quote that sums up your relationship, because certainly love can be the cure that makes us feel adored, appreciated, swept off our feet, gives us butterflies in our stomach, but it can also be the thing that makes us feel irate, frustrated, rage, and even hateful. So let it be our cure. Spending 24-7 with someone we adore can make even the greatest love turn to frustration. Let's learn how to transform irritations into productive conversations so you can keep looking at your partner with adoration in your eyes. In my work with clients right now, I'm hearing the same issues come up repeatedly. Couples are spending too much time together. They're not happy to see each other. They don't know how to divide the labor around their household. They're not really going on dates. They're not making special time and they don't really feel appreciated. So that's what we're talking about. Five conversations here. So I'm going to share the story of Jess and David. They have lived together for four years, and for most of that four years, they worked opposite shifts. They share a really small space, and that was okay because they didn't spend much time at home together. With stay-at-home orders, they had to figure out how to spend over 60 days together in a row, so far, and counting, in less than 500 square feet. Their frustration mounted on about day five, and they've been quarreling for the last, oh, you know, 55 days. It started with something simple, a water glass. Jess remembers walking over to the sink on day five to go fill her glass with water. Looking for her water glass, her fists began to clench as a hot rush flushed over her body. She started to tell herself, it's just a cup. David is just cleaning up. I can get another one. Despite it just being a cup in the dishwasher, she wanted the cup on the counter. She liked using the same cup all day. It was comfortable and familiar to have it there. With the tension coiling through her body, she turned to David and snapped, you know I use the water glass. Stop cleaning it up. Immediately on the defensive, now David hit with a rush of anger, retaliated, and in a clipped tone, he says, just get another cup. Calm down. You're being irrational. Jess fired back with venom in her voice. Irrational? I'm irrational? You are the irrational one. You're not even allowing me to reuse my cup. And back and forth they went. About a cup. A simple thing. A cup. Turned into a massive argument that had them sharing their experience with me. 
Now, this isn't the first time I've had couples in my office or on the video screen fighting about something like a cup or a spoon or a plate because it's just something that turns into a massive fight, division of labor, household tasks, expectations, a negative view, leaving them feeling unappreciated, invisible, disrespected, confused, or misunderstood. It's really common. And given that people went from a normal kind of flow they were in to being together 24-7, things that may have been a little bit irritating in the past have turned into major frustrations and huge critical incidents. A critical incident is what happens when something that was, you know, maybe a little irritating or annoying happens once. Okay, that's not maybe the critical incident. So let's imagine if you really care about timeliness. Maybe you grew up in a household where being on time was really important and your partner grew up in a household where time wasn't so important. You have different views of time. And maybe, you know, you tell your partner, please be home by seven o'clock and they get home at 715 the first time you're kind of irritated, but you let it go. The second time you might be kind of irritated and let it go. But on the third time, you're frustrated, you're irate, you feel disrespected, invisible, like they don't even care about you. And they get home at 7.15 and you say, are you kidding me? Here you are, disrespecting me, you're late again. And they're like, whoa, you know, it's, it's only 7.15, what's your big deal? And you're like, the big deal is you don't even respect me. And they're like, whoa, calm down. And this little misunderstanding, the different view about time turns those 15 minutes into this critical incident that comes up with a negative polarized lens. The person who says seven o'clock at seven o'clock believes their partner is disrespectful, inconsiderate. And the person who thinks 7.15 is basically the same thing as seven o'clock probably feels disrespected, confused and misunderstood. And so these little, little moments, usually they don't turn into a critical incident the first time they happen, but repeatedly with building and mounting frustration, these little moments turn into negative critical incidents that cause the couple to see each other in a polarized negative way. And the same thing happened here with the cup. The first time Jess was like, yeah, okay, this is kind of annoying that my cup has moved. But by the second, third, fourth, and on the fifth day, it turned to that critical incident. It wasn't just the cup on the counter. That was the problem. She was feeling invisible, disrespected, and frustrated. It turned into a massive argument that had them talking to me. So how do we make these productive conversations in a way that we're staying away from pointing out who's wrong, blaming, criticizing, defensive shots, defending ourselves, or withdrawing? Well, the first thing we need to do is find a way to recognize it's just differences in beliefs, values, expectations. And most of the time, our partner loves us. The last thing they wanna do is make us feel unappreciated, invisible, disrespected, confused, or misunderstood. And if we can, we need to just put on our rose-colored glasses and see the good they are trying to do. Okay, yeah, Jess could see that her partner was just cleaning up. However, she was so frustrated. So one of the things we have been working on is stating her frustrations in a positive way. So instead of pointing out what is wrong, you cleaned up my cup again. We worked on her stating her need in a positive way because if she points it out in a way that is clipped and angry sounding, David is just going to retaliate right off the hop, leading to a vicious cycle. And we had to break the cycle and it started with her 
because in this case, she was the one that was super frustrated. Now, it didn't always have to start with her, but in this case, it did. So we talked about how could she state that need in a positive way? So in reminding him, we talked about that she could smile and say, sweetheart, I say sweetheart. So that's why my examples are sweetheart. Her example wasn't sweetheart, but here we go. So she could look at him and say, sweetheart, you know, I really love leaving my cup on the counter. Could you just leave it here for me all day? I'm going to put it on this this coaster as a reminder that this is the one I don't you want don't want you to clean up. It's a positive need. She's giving a solution. She's talking nicely. This is much more likely for David to say, oh yeah, okay, I'll do my best, as opposed to, I'm just cleaning up. Why do you have to leave your dirty dish around? And what we know is within the f- how a conversation starts determines, for the most part, how a conversation is going to end. If you have a complaint, that's okay. Complain, but state a positive need and stay away from the shots, defending, attacking, withdrawing. So some of the main areas that I have seen couples struggle, right now we're talking about household tasks, but other major areas that are coming up are um, boundaries for togetherness and a part-time. You know, in the past, departing for work signaled the start of a part-time and coming home signaled togetherness time. But with lockdown and stay-at-home orders, these routines have been disrupted. So it's really important for couples to talk about how much time do they need together and how much time do they need apart? Because even if we're home together, we need time alone. Another place I'm seeing couples struggle is creating places for daily connection. With being home all day, you might stop asking like, what did you do today? Who are the people you saw? Because we're around each other all day, every day. And so we might not ask, we might not be inquisitive and caring about the other person's life. But even if you're with them all day, it's important to create a time to reconnect, to get to know the experience as if you were not there. The other thing couples are talking about is they're not feeling appreciated. They're feeling taken for granted. Oh my gosh, that is easy, especially if your partner is grating on your nerves. And with Jess and David, we had to focus on one of the major secrets of long-lasting and peaceful marriages which is expressing appreciation and wearing rose-colored glasses, even when your partner is driving you crazy. It means still finding the good, even when problems exist, and communicating that. And the last thing I talked about with Jess and David is the creation of date nights. A few months ago, they were going for dinners, movies, and out dancing. All of these things were super doable options. Right now, the most they can do is go outside for a walk or a bike ride. But we know that keeping love alive means finding new experiences and opportunities to connect. Finding a way to have fun with your partner is a special way to connect. So we talked about date night ideas that they could do to spice up their relationship and create positive experiences to counteract their little frustrations. So the five conversations in total that Jess and David needed to have to remedy their lockdown-fueled problems were about date nights, household tasks, expressing appreciation, rituals for daily connection, and apart and togetherness time. Now, if these seem like conversations you need to have, we've created a guide, the guide to stay in love through lockdown. Check out the show notes for the link. It's on sale for $9.99 until June 1. On June 1, it's going up to be a little bit more. So make sure you check it out now to get the deal, basically the early bird discount. So 
we know that it is so easy for love to turn to frustration and even hate. Let's all work on talking to our partner in positive ways, expressing our concerns, our complaints, like they are someone we love. Thank you for tuning in to Relationship Psych, the podcast put on by Ember Relationship Psychology. If you're looking for more free relationship help or advice that comes straight from the couple's therapy room, check out the free resources and the blog at www.emberrelationshippsychology.com.